There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Simone Anderson. And things like not sitting in plastic chairs. Oh, because they might break. Or like the back leg, if I moved at any angle, could snap. Aeroplane seats, always having to ask for an extender. It's like it was a build up of all those little things. I was like, I'm I'm so young and I don't want to be living this life anymore. Many of you will be hearing about Simone Anderson and her story for the first time, but I'll give you the brief backstory. In twenty fourteen, Simone was twenty one years old and was one hundred and sixty nine kilos and on the fast track to an early grave. She started documenting her weight loss through um, a gastric sleeve operation on social media and went viral for it. She blew up internationally. She was flown to America to appear on the Tyra Banks TV show and she ended up on numerous international websites. This social media fame led her to become New Zealand's first full-time influencer. Sort of like like one of the Kardashians, but New Zealand style, if you will. This conversation here is Simone's story. The good, the bad and the ugly. Thanks very much to the sponsors of this episode of Runners Only, Radix Nutrition. Okay, let's get into it. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Simone Anderson. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Pace, slow and steady, any way you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, runners only with Dom Harvey. Runners only with Dom Harvey and Simone Anderson. G'day, Simone. Hi, Dom. How are you going? Oh, it's good. I'm going very well. It's wonderful to have you here in my brand new podcast lounge with I, the video set up. It is fancy as, and I feel like I'm being watched from all angles, a little bit big brother-like right now. It's kind of it's kind of strange. So just um, for those of you listening online, um, it's just Simone and I in a second bedroom that's been converted into a podcast lounge. But through that wall, immediately through that wall, there's a creepy little dude called Dougie <laughs> sitting that there with was a... someone I didn't expect to see on arrival, to be fair, but taken back. What's yeah. going on? So um, this is like the first uh, dummy run with the new camera setup we've got. So you've got a camera right there. Yeah, cool. I've got one right there, and there's a wide one in the middle. Um, so this is like a dummy run. Cool. We'll give yeah. it a go. Hey, uh, f- thank you so much for coming here. First things first, something we need to um, take off. The podcast is called Runners Only. Yes. Um, what is your relationship like with running? Because I, kn- I know there was a time, uh, maybe like 10 years ago, when we, 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 you were so big, you, you were almost unable to walk. Yeah, it was poor, eight years ago is when I started my what I call my journey to health. And that's where I tipped the scales, the 169 kgs. And I could barely walk up my own driveway, let alone go for a run. I'm not going to lie, running is still not something I enjoy or not something I've ever enjoyed. Um, as a 
primary school kid, mum actually had to walk the cross country with me to just get me to do it because I refused to run. I'll run <laughs> tiny stints for netball and I was always quite sporty, but just little bits, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, not long long distances or anything like that, no. Okay, I, I love um, bringing up the running thing because I think everyone in New Zealand has a relationship <laughs> to some degree with running, whether it's a positive one or a negative one. Yeah. I feel like the school does a lot of damage to make people think running's a bad thing yeah I think just forced into it in terms of you just had to do it and I swimming was my strong point and I hated running I was so swim Mm. fit but put me in the cross country field honestly 100 meters I was done done dusted yeah so I was trying to think this morning when I was at the the gym how how you and I know each other I think um you first came on my radar uh, after you appeared on the Tyra Banks show and you sort of blew up went a bit viral how when was that like eight years ago yeah, that would have been, no, seven years ago seven now, years ago, and right. I think, yeah, I came on radio station yeah, and chatted yeah. with you then, and it's been on and off since then, really. Yeah, so you, you had um, a gastric sleeve operation, you lost a considerable amount of weight, and you sort of blew up, and you ended up on the Huffington Post, Daily Mail, all sorts of websites around the world. So, I, I just want to go back, like, how did you, so what were you at your peak? 169. How yes. did you get so big? For me, I don't think it was one pinpoint in particular but it was a whole build up of different things I had my parents divorce at 13 years old um, shortly after that my mum I found my mum in her bedroom and she tried to commit suicide uh, from there obviously I was just quite traumatised with what life was throwing at me and I That's met a man a that was 10 years my senior um, when you were 15, so he's 25, and got into a very, very, very unhealthy, toxic relationship with him. It was very abusive. And and illegal. Yeah. Was it a sexual relationship? Yep. Yeah, Yeah, it would have been. Um, Never really thought about that, to be honest. Um, But yeah, spent six years with him, feeling very, very trapped. He controlled every movement. He checked my car boot every time I left the house. Um, Looking for what? Oh, just to see if I was going out with friends and I put a spare change about. They wouldn't like oh, okay. try to remove me from my friendship circle and family life and things like that. So I think my comfort during that time and the one place I found a little bit of, I guess, happiness and release and felt safe was with food. And it just became something that was always there for me <laughs> that, yeah, brought me a little bit of instant gratification. Mm. And it was just a very, very unhealthy habit um, and lifestyle. I stopped making myself any food. Everything I ate was convenient food. It was all takeaways. I hid my eating. Um, you know, this was even school-aged, you know, bags of lollies after school and things like that at the dairy with whatever money I was making. Uh, and, yeah, it just sort of spiralled from there. And then it got to the point where I was gaining such a rapid amount of weight a year, I could not get control of it. I'd try diets, and I could do a diet. I'm quite, you know quite good at sticking to something if I say I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and I would lose the weight and then I'd start living again and I'd pile it all back on and a shitload more and so for me yeah that was basically my relationship with food and how I got to to that point and decided at 23 years old that I did not want to live like this I was gaining about 10 kgs if not 15 some years and I I did not you know I'd sort of been told that I probably wouldn't live to see 30 if I didn't change my lifestyle it was very very unhealthy so it's that dire yeah it was Mm. very bad (laughs) when you when you look back at um like photos of or videos of that person now like like, what do you what do you feel 
that was that was me, and that's always been me. And I think, like internally, yeah, yeah the so hard you... thing. I still see me, and I see like I as much as I had a lot of trauma that had caused that weight gain. I was still, and I to this day, I'm, I'm a very positive person. I see the best in situations, and I'm outgoing, and I'm you know quite quite bubbly and. I can always, I don't know, I always enjoyed life, even at, the, even at that size. I was always a go-getter. So I still see me, but just a younger version of me mm. with, you know, a bit more pattern. Yeah, that's funny because it's like, like the, the Simone that I, I know, and you, you and I don't know each other that well, but um, I follow you online and, I, you know, we've, we've met a few times. It's, I, you just don't seem like a person that would, um, like, take, take shit in a relationship or be in an unhealthy relationship. Is it because you were just so young, so you didn't really know? Um, mixture of both. I think obviously I was feeling a lot of emotions around parents' divorce and, you know, that situation. And I was obviously seeking love and care and validation in a, in a place where it wasn't really healthy. And I think initially it, you know, all great. And when I say it like this now, you know, he had a car, there was, (laughs) I'm not serious. At that time it was a big deal and I I can't believe it now, but you know, like there was that freedom there. He had a credit card, we could go and do stuff and it was, it was quite exciting to start with, but then quite quickly it turned, you know, those traits weren't there all at the beginning. There were obviously huge red flags and yeah, I just think, before I knew it, I was just in so deep. And I think the emotional manipulation that happened really early on is what trapped me there. I truly believed that I would not ever meet anyone else, that I was so ugly, so unattractive, so all of these things. And he made me believe that by repeating it to me daily. I thought I was worthless. And so mm. I just stayed. And, it, you know, he became everything. Does it just, is it, is it, I, I would never judge anyone for um, staying in a, in a toxic relationship because I don't think you know what it's like until you've been there. But does it just sort of like chip away slowly at your self esteem or self worth? Yeah, I don't think I even, well, I know I didn't know it at the time. Like I thought uh, it was fine and I thought, yeah, there were bad parts of our relationship, but I didn't realize to the extent that he was wearing me down every day for his own you know, his own worth to keep me in that relationship and things that he would do and, you know, like start me on diets but then bring home McDonald's at midnight to make me feel like a failure and like I'd never be able Stick to succeed. To it. Stick yeah. to it, yeah. <sighs> so um, was it after that relationship that you decided to get the bypass? Yeah, so I find, I think I was 21, nearly 20, yeah, 21, when I finally found the strength to go actually fuck this and leave the house that we were living in, which the whole, what do you call it, rent thing was under my name and I couldn't afford it at the time, but I just had knew yeah. I had to get out of that relationship. And Did you have support from your family or whatever? I know it's a fractured family and your mum had mental health issues, but were they... Yeah, no, family yeah, have yeah. honestly been amazing. I think the hard thing for them was watching me go through this mm. and they always voiced their opinions and they always shared how much they disliked him, the entire right. family. But I think it was, I was so defensive of him. So it must have been, also, your parents, like every time you saw them, you must be like looking looking different in appearance in terms of your size. Yeah, I guess so. It's one of those things, wait, you sort of, for me, it was just such a slow, it felt mm. so slow mm. and it was so gradual. It's yeah. not until you look back on the yearly photos that you realised how, how much you had changed in that year. I can't remember what we were we were getting to. Yeah, oh, so, so 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 you got out of that relationship, and then is yep. that when you decided, right, oh, I got to do something? Not right then and then. No. no shit, no. I was single for the first time in basically, you know, that, those teenage years, and I 
early 20s and I was just so excited about being single and I I partied up a storm because he wouldn't let me party and I enjoyed really enjoyed being single and having fun and wait or my issue with weight was just not on my radar at all. All I wanted to do was focus on being free, basically, yeah. and enjoying and I, that and I freedom. Suppose, I suppose, like confidence is everything. So if you, if you, regardless of what you look like externally, if you're confident, you can, um, you know, people will like you. Oh, I had a shitload of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always very, very, you know, never had an issue finding a, a partner, and you know, that was never an issue for me. And I, yeah, I just enjoyed those two years. But it was, I guess, towards the end of that time when. I'd had so much fun. I was just ready to focus on my weight and, you know, nothing else. I was like, this is my time now. I'm ready to tackle this. Was was that because of like a doctor or said something, a family intervention, or you just made this decision yourself? No, it was actually, I was, remember, I was flatting with a friend at the time. We were living at the bottom of her um, dad's house and I was renting a room and I had to bring the bins in every second week. And I just remember dreading that task. And it was a driveway that, I don't know, would have, would have no longer than 30 metres long, <laughs> not that steep. And I'd have to gear myself up for it for, like, that day. No, I'm not joking. Like, it was a sorry for huge laughing. thing, yeah. you know. And mentally it was just, I had to think, I can, you can do this. You've got this. You know, it was like a, it was a big deal for me. And I just remember one week thinking, that's so not okay. Like, it's that's, not okay. That's not okay. Yeah. I'm Especially 23. Yeah. I'm so young. And things like, I, you know, not sitting in plastic chairs. Oh, because they might break. Oh, jet, like the back leg, if I moved at any angle, could snap. Aeroplane seats, always having to ask for an extender. It's like it was a build up of all those little things. I was like, I'm, I'm so young, and I don't want to be living this life anymore. You know, mm. it's this is not the life I see for myself, and I. It was only getting worse. It's not like it was at a point where I sort of could maintain it. I couldn't. I had no control of it, and I knew I needed to take that control back. So, wow. Is that, is that humiliating? Like, moments like asking for an extender seat in a plane? Oh, so embarrassing. To the point where the first few times I actually would just put a jet jumper over my lap mm. to not have to ask and not have the seatbelt done up because I was so mortified. Mm. I suppose there's other things that you just... I mean, as someone that's never been, never been massively overweight, I, you know, I've, I've, I have had periods where I've been overweight but not, not to that sort of degree. Um, things like... Just the sense of other passengers sitting either side of you, or yeah, oh, all of that, and you're you're very conscious of the space that you take up in the world, and you know it's more than other people. You don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable mm. either. So on the aeroplane, I was always trying to be as small as I, you know, small as I could to not get in the way of other people. That's awful. So the so the operation, where did you get that done, and how much? I had that done here in Auckland um, at Auckland Weight Loss Surgery, and I saw a guy called Richard. He it was amazing. Um, we just went and had a consult with him, and Mum came with me, and I just liked how I guess brutally honest he was about all the questions that I had and in terms of like the complications and things like that, he didn't sugarcoat any of it. And yeah, we basically, then and there, I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And he said, oh, go away and think about it. I said, no, I want to, when's your next available appointment? Book me in. He said, this is when it is. You'd need to start OptiFast here. And that was it. But yeah, it was 90, at the time 19700 which I had absolutely n- no money like none I had to get my aunties to help guarantor a bank loan for me because my parents couldn't at the time because they wouldn't have been allowed to um and yeah now it's the best money I've ever spent but I I sort of viewed it some people would spend that on a car I spent that on my 
and your, your future, and really. My future, yeah. yeah and yeah. I don't regret a cent of it. So, they, so you, what, what weight are you when you go in? Uh, I think I had lost maybe four, K, four kgs or three kgs in the OptiFast, which was the – I had to do that for three weeks. What is it, like a shake diet? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Basically, a, um, yeah, it's a meal replacement diet. Okay. And the, the reason you go on it is because it shrinks the fat around your vital organs, so it just makes operating that much safer. It's still dangerous, of course, because you're dealing with – people who are morbidly obese um, mm. but it does mean that the operation is smoother yeah, yeah. so you so when you go in you're 165 right, or 66 right. or and, then, and then how much do they take out there are oh, in terms of yeah like so what do you weigh on the scales like immediately afterwards Oh, they don't take anything out then. It's you, well, they take out half your oh, stomach. Oh, gotcha. Right. Oh, so it's not, okay. So yes, yeah, so it's very different to like um, liposuction. And, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't take out any. Like, well, they do. They take out half your stomach, but I don't remember. But they would weigh fuck all though. Right? I don't think they weighed a lot. <laughs> I didn't lose instant weight because of my tummy being removed. No. Right. Okay. And then what's the recovery like after that? I found the recovery pretty straightforward. I think because I was on the younger side. Um, you bounce back. Yeah, I'd already been on a weight loss journey, so like I'd started my journey. I didn't know when I started my journey that weight loss surgery was how I was going to continue it on. I just knew I needed to make change. So I'd, I'd actually already lost 20 kgs before I had surgery. I was totally wrong when I was saying that. So, yeah, I was down to 150 or around then when I had the surgery. Um, and then, I yeah, I just remember I was in hospital and had a Halloween party planned that I was throwing for all my friends Um the th- two days later, three days later, and they all said, "Oh, you probably won't be up to it." And I was at the party, sitting on a seat, but I was there, I was full makeup, and not a plastic seat. No, no, <laughs> probably a point. full wooden seat at this point still. And <laughs> um, and yeah, it was was totally fine. I mean, I was tired because you're not eating as much food. Um, I got a little bit lightheaded occasionally, but yeah, in terms of recovery, it sort of felt like I'd eaten rocks, is how I describe it. Just a mm, heavy tummy, mm. yeah. And then what does it do to your your appetite? You're just not hungry at all? Yeah, no, you're not hungry. Well, you've got the mental hunger still, which I think is a really interesting side of it, is that you still want food. You've still got that real big addiction there. But what it does is it takes the, like, the need for food away when you do eat food because you're full instantly. Yeah, right. Like a tablespoon of food, I was satisfied. But I suppose you've got to be um, – and we, we, did the weight just start falling off or – Yeah, pretty quickly initially. Um, oh, the first week was a bit slow because I had fluid retention and yeah. stuff like that. But after that, it was pretty quick and pretty regular that the weight just, you know, a couple of kgs every week. God, that must have been addictive. Well, it was very motivating. Right, yeah, Very, yeah. very motivating because it just – it meant that, and what I, you know, you're told is that you're given this first year, which is like your honeymoon period. Um, and in that first year, if you set yourself up really good routines, really good habits, you can maintain that basically for life because it's, you know, this time where you're not feeling hunger, you're not feeling this those same drives towards food that you, you know, necessarily were before. So I had this like, and I think also because I didn't have that money, it was a huge thing for me. It wasn't a like oh, I should just give it a go. It was like my <laughs> yeah, last yeah. resort. You know, yeah. I knew I had to do this. Yeah, 20K as well. It's, yeah. Uh, so so you, you can get a gastric sleeve and if you're not sensible about it or disciplined about it, you can stretch your stomach again. Yeah, it's a muscle. So you'll find lots of patients um, over time and over the years to come, if they don't change their lifestyle, their eating habits, their routines, their habits, everything like that, it, it the weight will slowly come back on. Right. Yeah. 
you'll still lose weight initially because yeah. it's a smaller tummy, right? But yeah. if you don't change what you're eating and how your lifestyle is. Because hmm. you, you, you have got, um, you've got so many, such a fan base now and so many supporters, but also so many detractors as well. And one thing that I, you, you don't have to go too deep online to read about you. People say, oh, well, she, she just, she, she, you know, she got skinny the easy way by, which is not, it's a bit disingenuous, isn't it? Because it's not like how it was really. Well, you had the operation, which I think it probably gives you a head start, but then you've got to do the hard work yourself. Yeah, I sort of, I view it like anything else in life. Like we're, we're given helping hands to work towards tasks or goals. And if, say, you're a smoker, you might use a patch to help you stop smoking, but you still stop smoking. Mm. And I, that's how I view weight loss surgery. It's it's not going to do the job for you. Um, if you just were to get the surgery and do sweet F all else, your life won't change. You you know, it'll, you'll lose the weight, but you'll gain it all back. And it's a, it's a tool and a helping hand, but you still very much need to put in the work. But again, it's a tool that is an incredible incredibly powerful tool too yeah. i could not have done and i will say this very on, openly and honestly without this tool i tried for 10 years mm. you know this was this was the tool that i needed to to change my life and to give me i guess the the courage that i could actually do it yeah and haven't you and and when did you start um when did you decide to share your, your journey on um social media which i'm guessing at this point wasn't so much Instagram, mainly Facebook? Yeah, it was mainly Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I decided to do this right at the beginning because I remember sitting, I was interning at a friend's jewellery factory and I worked there two days a week and I loved it because I got to make jewellery that fit me um, because big body chains and necklaces that would fit my neck and it was awesome and she was fun time. And I remember they were selling the commercial scale there um, and I thought, shit, I, I want to know what I weigh. And I know household scale had weighed me for years. And so I remember one lunch break running down and standing. What, what do you mean? Because they just couldn't go high enough? Era. Was, oh, they were all shit. Of, yeah. So I just didn't know what I weighed and I knew I wanted to know what I weighed. So I snuck down and stood on the scale and it was actually in that moment where it was like, I've got to do something and I've got to make a change. But I didn't know how I was going to make this change. So for the rest of that afternoon, I just went back upstairs and I just basically cried in the office. And my brain was just spiralling with hates of negative emotions, but also just trying to think, how do I do it this time? Mm. And one of the ways that I came up with that I ended up calling mum that night about was actually sharing it to my friends and family on Facebook and just documenting my journey because I know that I'm someone that's hugely held accountable by other people and I'm driven and very motivated when other people know what I'm up to. Yeah, and how many followers did you have then? Like under a thousand, couple of hundred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe 800 friends yeah. and family on, all friends and family mm. on Facebook and mum was like, it's a great idea but I was obviously petrified because... As soon as you do it, are you uh, oh, it the accountability mean, level is yeah, 100. Yeah, sharing... What I weighed, sharing what I was doing, and sharing photos of myself half naked. It was it was a huge thing, and I just remember crying for three days, and eventually pressing post and going, "What have I done? You know, like <laughs> I've got to do this now." But that was that was the start of it, and at that point, social media. Well, as far as I was aware, no one was really doing it for a job. It was there no, are a few no. people on YouTube making money through AdSense, but. I never thought of that as the driving factor. For me, it was purely to keep myself accountable. And, yeah, I shared photos of my feet when I'd go for a walk and a half-eaten mango and, you know, quotes that inspired me. And that was that was the start of it. Amazing. And that was right at the beginning. Yeah, because it's like, um, I suppose there's a lot of envy towards you from people because everyone would like to be an influencer. <laughs> Do you so think they would, though? 
Every, come on. Everyone loves the idea of getting free parcels. We, we, we'll get into this in more detail later. But everyone loves the idea of not having an actual job, getting paid to post shit online, getting a whole lot of free stuff. But as, as you said, like you never set out to be an influencer, which I think a lot of kids these days probably try to do. Like it started with a very genuine, earnest reason. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of talk these days about uh, vulnerability and the, the importance of that. And you were doing that before it was sort of fashionable. Yeah, I think a lot. It was just timing wise, right? If I had shared what I was doing two years later, my page wouldn't have been picked up and gained traction like it did. It, mm. it was just, it was a crazy, weird time where no one was really sharing much in terms of, like you're saying, vulnerability online. Uh, no one was really diving deep into those like nitty gritty topics. It was just a very like surface level place, and I think. If I had, you know, shared two years later, it was already flooded and saturated. It was just the right time in terms of, without knowing it, mm. sharing what I was sharing. So how did the how did the, how did the viral stuff online come about? Like um, I mentioned before, Huffington Post, Daily Mail, the Tyra Banks TV show in the States? Yeah, it's been so long since I've talked about this. Um, I remember... Probably about six weeks into sharing what I was sharing online, I noticed friends of friends starting following, friends' mums, you know, people I didn't know started just following my page. And I just remember thinking, why? Why do they care? Like, I was posting the most just basic stuff. It just didn't make sense to me that someone that didn't know me wanted to follow the stuff. Um, And that just sort of started slowly growing. And then quite quickly before I knew it, there were 10,000 people, then there were 100,000 people, and... I was just sharing my life and I, it wasn't ever hard for me. It was just sharing updates and progress and yeah, what my, I guess my journey with gastric sleeve surgery too. So sharing the ups and downs. And I remember quite early on talking quite in depth around why I was going to share and talk about gastric sleeve surgery so openly and honestly, because I didn't want it to be a shameful thing. It was something I was really proud of taking that step and that decision. And lots of people had always, you know, had had gastric sleeve surgery, but they'd hidden it from friends and family. And it was a place where women could reach out and talk. Why? Why, why would people hide it? Is it a, like a shame thing? Or? Yeah, I guess it was previous, like not so much anymore, I, do, I don't right. believe, but something that people definitely look down on. You were, like you're saying, you're taking the easy road out. <laughs> it's not yeah, like yeah. It, it wasn't viewed as like a, a positive decision in your life. It was like you're you're a cop out. You're not doing it yourself. You're not just going on a diet. You know, it's not really a shortcut though. It's like a, it's like a leg up, I guess. Totally, yeah. I don't know. I think. <laughs> well, who cares anyway? Yeah, it, you cares? know, it is what it is. People yeah. are going to have their views around it, and I totally. I respect both sides of that, but I also think the people that do have those views have never struggled with being morbidly obese or having a mm. weight issue or an issue around food. Addiction it's, issue or anything yeah, like that, I guess. You know, like that's not something you can say that they've, hello. Oh, so yeah, Kanye. <laughs> you want to play with the ball? You can't. Dad's busy doing a podcast. <laughs> Calm down. We will we'll soon. play afterwards. <laughs> i throw the ball a couple of times and then he's bored anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so did someone from um, someone from one of the news organisations just like steal some of your photos and write a story? Or? Yeah, so when all that started happening, um, basically, like it always still to this day, places like the Huffington Post and Daily Mail, someone will take some images, write some text and share a story, and then obviously all those same news outlets all share up. it, it gets picked yeah, up and yeah. it goes amongst them all. And that, again, just I just remember watching my follow account just was like going. I was nannying at the time and my phone was just going crazy and messages. And I've still got unread messages on Facebook from that time, like where it was just so like tens right? of thousands intense? of messages. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Was that like the moment that your life sort of changed, do you think, the trajectory of your life? Um, to a degree? 
I, I guess it 100% yeah. was, but without realising it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you, you don't know what it's going to lead to. No, or... no. Okay, so then, um, and then so Tyra Banks, her show calls, they fly you over to the States? Yeah, so that was actually a before and after photo I shared where I had got to my goal weight, which my goal was to lose half my body weight in a year, and I did that in 11 months. So I lost 84.5 kgs, which was very exciting. That is so much weight. And I shared a before and after photo, uh, but I shared it with my workout leggings pull, pulled up and – I took a photo and everyone sort of wrote all these negative comments like that's not the same person, different phone, different nose, <laughs> where's all the loose skin, all of these sort of things. Um, and I remember I'd changed from an Android to an Apple and, you know, like couldn't possibly be the same person. And I remember at the time this really upsetting me because I was, I was I did this, this is me, I worked so hard to... Was this your first experience with maybe online bullying? My very trolling? first, yeah. Okay. yeah. Up yeah, until then yeah. it had been super positive and encouraging and I, I don't think I'd ever had a negative message before so it was yeah. just soul destroying I was like this is so tough so it's like I'm going to prove them wrong so I pulled down my workout pants and I took a photo and I shared more of my face so you could see and shared them side by side and that photo then went completely viral and that's where all the articles happened um, but at the same time a surgeon in the states saw this photo uh, and picked up on it and his media team reached out and offered to perform skin removal surgery on my stomach and my breast for me and so that got me to the states uh, which was just a huge experience. And I still to this day can't believe that at that age, I went across the world on my own to not really knowing if it was a true thing or not e- either. You know, like anyone could have turned up at the airport and I would have yeah. been in their hand. And you know? I, I, suppose, um, <laughs> I suppose in a sense it was maybe kind of a poignant moment as well, like getting in the plane and not needing the extender seat and mm. the extender belt. Oh, I remember sharing that, that whole journey. And it yeah. Felt, yeah, it was very like full circle, I guess, for me. Um, and then while I was over in the States, I was documenting again the the surgery and I had a full YouTube channel on it and was sharing it on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And that was where Tyra's producers reached out and got in touch and they wanted to fly me while I was in the States to the, you know, to LA, to the Tyra Bank show. Mm. But at this point I was four days, four days post-op so I was still so high on pain medication <laughs> I could barely walk let alone like speak and they're like we want to get her here and my doctor surgeon was like well obviously it's a great PR experience for him too but it's still an incredibly dangerous thing for me to go and do on my own so he was like well you can go if I can come with you so he who's amazing flew with me and we went and did the Tyra Bank show which again was just huge mm. growth and publicity in terms of my page and an amazing experience in it you know, and it's fine, right? She was amazing. So was the whole team. So yeah, did that, and that was that sort of period there. Because how, how much? Um, you just before we move on from that, cause it, it's a because it's a it's a whole fascinating story, and you've done so well. How much loose skin is there when you lose that much weight that quickly? What's the what's the loose skin like? Oh, it varies person to person, and everyone's yeah. skin is so different. I had a lot of loose skin, and um, oh yeah, covered, and I've still got loose skin covering my body too, despite having surgeries. Uh, it's just part of part of who I am now but yeah it was sagging my yeah everything was very low mm. you, you, how you how do you feel about your body now like when you're when you're naked in front of the mirror you feel good about what you see you feel you like the person you see inside now yeah I'd actually decided because I never thought um having skin removal surgery would be a financial option for me so I knew well what's the cost if you have to pay for it like anywhere from in Thailand 20,000 up to hundreds of thousands of Shit. dollars depending on where you go uh but yeah I just because of the financial situation I was in, I I knew that it just wasn't an option for me. So I I decided that I had to 
just come to terms with this body. This is my body. The reason I did this surgery was not for vanity. It was for my life and my health and, you know, hopefully living to grow a family and raise children. And yeah, I'd completely done a shitload of self-work to, to get to a point where I, I really liked my body, even with all my loose skin. Do you mean what, what, like what sort of self-work? Uh, so every single morning, um, I look in the mirror and repeat things to myself that I wanted to believe. Um, and that was Can just, you remember what they were? Oh, I was talking about my legs yeah. and like the, the loose skin on them and I'd pull it out and I'd, you know, repeat why my legs were powerful, that they move me places, that they were, you know, going to carry me through hopefully having children and all of those sort of things, um, rather than the physical appearance of them. And it just got to the point where, I mean, we believe the negative things that we we speak to ourselves, right? Because we repeat them over mm. and over and over. It's the same with positive. If you're, you're yeah. repeating something over and over and over it, before you know it, your brain starts to believe these things, you know? It's a very powerful little little tool, our brains. And so that's sort of how I, you know, would tackle that. And I did a lot of journaling and just writing down my feelings and, and I guess trying to come to the bottom of why I didn't like certain things to try and rewire that in my head. And so much of it was just society and what society had told us was mm. typically beautiful. And why couldn't it be the opposite? And I found the more I shared these parts of myself online, the more I shared photos of these parts, it just, it gave me so much confidence and so mm. much power in them. And I was, I was taking that power back, you know? Yeah. Oh, good for you. I'm intrigued about that mirror stuff because it's, um, my, my negative self-talk, I'm a, I'm a bully to myself at times. Are you? I'm a horrible bully. I'm I'm so hard on myself at times, and it's a uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's a, like a drive or a perfectionism thing, but another part of me thinks when I catch myself doing it, I would not accept that sort of bullshit from anybody else, yeah. <laughs> family member or otherwise. So why would I treat myself that way? So how long do you have to do like the the mirror? affirmation stuff before before you start to believe it i think it's different for everyone i mean and it depends how deep rooted your issues are right like <laughs> and what you're trying to come to the bottom of but i honestly truly believe that with with time and with repeating something enough and tr and wanting it to it's something that you can change like we can change how we view situations mm. and we can change how we perceive different people in different situations so it's exactly the same within ourselves yeah oh good for you good for you and is, is this sort of about the time when um, influencing became a thing? We did, we, 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 so you had a little bit of fame. I'm guessing your follower account grew. Uh, so when you got back from the States with Tyra, like, what, what was your, were you on Instagram then? Yeah, yeah. yeah I had Instagram. my Instagram there. They actually seemed, randomly enough, they sort of ended up growing at a pretty similar rate. Like some would go up higher and one would go up higher, but they ended up about exactly the same over time. Um, but at that point, I think... I don't know if influencing was very much a thing. I remember about a year after that point, it was when I got my first message and it was from an oat biscuit company saying we'd love to send you some oat biscuits. I thought, how cool is that? <laughs> so healthy biscuits, yeah. And they sent me two packets of biscuits and I tried them and I talked about it and, yeah, that was that really. And then, you know, another brand would come and do the same thing and, wasn't until probably six months into that and just sharing and talking about different things that I liked and that I was using or that I'd try and that my godmother was like, what are you charging these companies? So what do you mean? What are you charging? You're giving them good exposure. It's marketing. I said, nothing. I can't charge for this. So yes, she even can. She's ruthless. Um, and so, you know, that sort of got it's me It's very thinking. forward thinking on her part. Yeah. I mean, it seems so common now. It <laughs> makes so much sense now. But at the time, it was, it was pretty out there. Oh, very out there. And it also, I don't like asking for money. I don't like talking about money. I don't like 
I like just helping people out. So for me, it, it was an awful thing that I thought, absolutely not. And then I remember there was a business where we did a t- there was a T-shirt they sent me, and afterwards they sent me a message saying, thanks so much, you sold 180 T-shirts. And I thought, oh, cool, that's awesome. And then I, t- <laughs> I talked to my aunt, and, and she was like, do you know what, you just made them with a two-minute thing, and, you know, rah, rah. and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can start talking about, you know, money. And I just because I was doing it for myself, I remember someone would get in touch and say, will you share this? I said, sure, it's this much. And they accepted and I'd do it. And the next coming came along, I tried a little bit more. I tried a little bit more and I said, oh, there we go. And it sort of got to the point where I was so busy doing these little different gigs that I was nannying and I'd built my hair and makeup business to nearly full time, but I just couldn't do it all. But I also wasn't making enough from social media to think about leaving those other yeah, two. Yeah, steady know. job. Yeah, you know, it was my only set how I paid the rent each week. Um, so that was a, you know, a big decision uh, and that actually took meeting my partner, Trent, and we'd been together for about a year by that point and him saying, look, I can cover the rent if you can't afford it but I want you to give this a go and see if you can, you know, turn it into something. And I remember that very first week, once I'd left my nannying job, getting two big contracts that were basically half my year's income. And it was just that moment for wow. me that, like, I can I can do this. And it was the universe saying that, you know, I just opened myself up to it. And I was, yeah, I, that was a, a driving go factor for me. As far as, like, the influencer scene goes in New Zealand, you've got to be making more than anyone else, don't you? I don't know. I, in You're, terms of... Every, time I, every day I go to your story, it looks like... <laughs> Honestly, there's so many little dashes. It looks like it looks like a wood, woodpecker's been on a Morse code machine. Yeah, why, why my husband doesn't watch my stories? He goes, <laughs> friends are like, have you seen what, you know, then? He's like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, do you not watch his stories? He's like, of course I don't. Look at all those little dots. And um, yeah, I've managed to turn it into a very viable, very viable career for myself. Yeah, but I don't know oh, about. good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, you, yeah. I want to get to your schedule and stuff and how you do it because it's. Uh, I feel like uh, you have um, a really good schedule and routine and structure in your life. Whereas me, I probably end up spending more time on Instagram than what you do. But I'm just looking at other people's shit. But I'm guessing you're on there. Yeah, actually, we'll, we'll just talk about that now. Yeah. So, do you like have um, an hour a day where you do posts or to it? Like, do you have like a social media time or are you just on your phone through? Yeah, so I schedule my day out at the start of every week and I'll have all my non-negotiables in there first, which is my exercise and my little bits and pieces for me. And then any work contracts that come into it, I'll put them where I need to, you know, fulfill those. And then I schedule in in different slots in the day responding to messages because on an average day I could spend anywhere from four to six hours responding to messages. And that Mm. was a lot more when I had my story replies on. Uh, So, yeah, I do – I fully have to view it as – it's not a social thing for me. It's not an enjoyment platform. I don't spend any time scrolling Instagram or looking at other people's content. It's only if it pops up straight away and then I'll actually use it as like, I wonder what other people are doing to see where the industry's at. I'll have to use it as like a, you've got to keep up with this because you're on it. But I sure. yeah, I don't use it as like a, I don't see what my friends are up to or anything like that. Right, it so, would be so when, when you're on there, it's work. Yeah. 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 And um, you mentioned uh, Trent before. So how, how did you guys meet? And when did we, you guys meet? We met, which would make full sense with what I do, um, online on Tinder. And we met in, two th- well, seven years ago, so 2015. So after you had the skin removed? Uh, ju- wait, yeah, just after. Right, yeah. right. 
about a month after. Do you think, I mean, everything, in terms of timing and stuff, everything I, I think in life happens for a reason. Um, but, you know, we talked before about how you felt like the same person, you feel like the same person now as what you felt back then. Yep. But obviously, physically, you looked very different. Yep. Do you think if you met, say, 10 years ago, he, you know, there would have still been that attraction? He would have fallen in love? Definitely not. I was not, <laughs> the, you know, like in terms of where you are at, at life, where I was at, mm. we were not any what aligned. He's got a huge passion for hiking and fitness and, you know, different things that I just would never, ever have aligned with yeah. him over. And I just think timing-wise, I was also at a point where I was ready to meet someone. I decided that I was really happy where I was in my life. You know, everything was sort of flowing nicely, but I was ready and open to have that relationship again after, obviously, my last relationship. I had a lot of work to do after that. And, yeah, I know, I don't think we would have, but we might have met, but we're five years differing ages, so it was just... Oh, know. yeah, yeah, because he's younger than you. Yeah, you're, no, you're a cougar. I am a cougar. So, you, so when you met, you were, you were how old and... I was 24, he was 19. 19, oh controversial. Very, well, our whole family, we like younger men. It's just a thing. Is you that know? right, is yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, all of us. Well, I mean, we, we, like, that, that age gap, as you get older, it's nothing, right? It's well, now it feels nothing. like nothing, but yeah. at the time it was definitely like quite a big deal. You're talking about someone that was in university I mean, yeah, and he, and let, let's, yeah, but he's a, he's a grown-ass man, but you could yeah. still, if you wanted to frame him as being a teenage boy. Well, looking back on photos, I think he did look very young. Like, it was, yeah. But I, I looked younger than two, hopefully, you know. Uh, so, um, well, God, what was his age? What was your age range setting on Tinder, and what was his? Well, I started, and mine was only a few years either side, and then I, like saturated that market I'd gone on every date <laughs> and then I decided to just extend it slowly year by year until you know it says no more matches and as you've gone through so I thought well, I'll do it a little bit further I'd gone a few more dates they were terrible extend it a little bit further so I was we were probably quite old and quite young by the yeah Legally, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's during the whole thing. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and then, then the um, the geographic rate range the then needs to get higher. Like, oh, okay, I'll go two hundred k's. I'll travel. It's fine. I don't mind a weekend in Wellington. I can get a seat flight, fifty nine dollars each way. It's <laughs> totally good. Fine. And when when did you realise it was love? Was it fairly instant? Or? Oh, very, very quickly yeah. for me. Um, I was a lot, I think, quicker on that side of things than him. We had our first few dates. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It was just so easy and just so natural and our, we just had so much fun and I remember after probably two or three weeks just looking at him one day and I just had this uncontrollable urge that I just had to tell him how I felt and I said I've got something to tell I love you and what was this like date three did you say no no week three. Oh, week three we'd seen each other every day okay every day and you know I spent a lot of time together but it was just very quick for me and I just remember him just going pale as a ghost and looking me back <laughs> in the eye and saying um 
oh, I, I really like you. And I just remember my heart breaking into like... <laughs> There's only one correct answer, right? million pieces and just thinking, what have I done? Have I ruined this? Like, <laughs> Come in way too hot. And it was just like, okay, well, let's just brush over that. And it was about a week later, he was like, look, I, you know... I, I do love you. I really love you. I just It takes me a lot to get to that point, and I just I wanted to really make sure I knew it before saying it because I don't want to ever say it with it. You know, he's a very, very genuine, caring oh. caring person, and I just think he needed to know deep down he's got a lot of um, very strong religious views and morals, and it just a lot was playing into it. And it, that I respect to this day, not that it didn't take away from the hurt and the, the shattering <laughs> at the time and the, well, yeah. the embarrassment, but, you know. <laughs> well, you well, – how – so he, so you said I love you, and yeah. he said I like you. Then a week later, he says I love you. Yeah. Was um, what was that week like? Were you salty towards him? Like, no. did he end up saying it after a week? Because he's like, oh god, I need to get yeah, myself maybe. out of the dog box. <laughs> no, that week was actually totally fine, and I, you know, like we did talk through afterwards and explained his feelings around it and everything like that. But no, it was just as normal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So, um, I mean, he got married quite young then, I guess, for this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, so he how was he, like 23, 24? Yeah, well, 27, was it 25? 25, yeah. 25, yeah. yeah. Wow. He's on the younger side. Yeah, but he always said he wanted to be a young father and, yeah. Yeah. And your, your parents, you, you've got a, a, a child, you've got a son? Yes. How old's your son? He is 15 months, just right. 15 months, yeah. How's that been? It's been amazing. He's just the coolest little addition to our lives. And I think I always knew growing up that I my biggest biggest wish and biggest dream in life was to be a mother and I always had this and I think that's why for me that weight loss driving factor to lose weight was just so strong because I knew if I could do this hopefully I'd have a better chance of conceiving and you know having a healthier healthy baby Um, and he's just been yeah the greatest addition and we were just so ready for him to you know it was the perfect stage of life we wanted it we set up in terms of how we wanted to be set up to have a child and raise a child so he's been amazing yeah yeah and and i mean so social media like everyone talks about how it's um like a like a highlights reel or a snapshot of people's lives but you you do seem to share a lot but you also make um parenting look like quite easy it's like you're breezing through it yeah are you or yeah i get this a lot and i think what when i talk about people are gonna hate you for this (laughs) yeah when i talk about parenthood and people say why don't you show the shitty side and I I find it really (laughs) tough because we're parenting from a huge place of privilege a huge we've got two really good incomes we're not coming from it from any financial Mm. struggle we can afford nappies each week wipes and food we don't have to worry about the rent or the mortgage or anything not coming out we don't have any of that financial stress we've got two parents that Trent works from home a lot of the time, so I still get flexibility. And while Ash is sleeping at lunch, I can go out and get my nails done. So many mothers and parents are working, you know, some dads working 12-hour days, mothers that can't ever leave their children. We can afford daycare two days a week so I can get back into work. It's it's just such a place of privilege. We've got yeah. family around us. Like Trent's parents would literally, they live two hours away, but they'd drive in the drop of a hat if I said I'm struggling and they'd be here to look after. We've got friends that babysit, we can afford babysitters. So So, parenthood for us, has we've got this amazing village around us and it it hasn't been challenging. Yes, there's challenging moments of anything though, right? Like when you talk about any situation, any job, any part of life, there are sticky, challenging moments. But I think when you look at it from a lens of perspective, I, I can't complain about parenthood. And I can't say it's been really tough or really hard because 
our position is from a huge place of privilege. And I just feel so lucky. And I also never, ever thought that I truly have the, this baby and another one on the way. Mm. And I just feel grateful for that. So You are, you are quite good with that gratitude stuff, eh? I like think you, so. you, you really no, no, like boiling things down to a, to a base level. Like um, before you you came in today for this chat, I uh, I um, uh, typed your name into Spotify just to see what other podcasts you've been on. And there was only one that came up, and in that you talked about how you know we, like sometimes when you're doing the washing or whatever, you'll you'll take a moment to reflect how lucky you are to have like a washing machine, and you don't have to go to laundromat or whatever. Which I started laughing. I was listening to it at the gym. It was like what a rare, I never think about shit like that. But if you if you if you take gratitude like for a base level like that. Um, it does make your life a whole lot easier and a whole lot better, I guess. Yeah, it's been something my parents have always yeah. instilled in us kids from a really young age is to be grateful, like always to strive for more and to have goals and aspirations, but to be incredibly grateful for where you are right now because where you are right now is a place you would have dreamt of five years ago. And I think that is a constant reminder for me. If I ever find myself carried away and they're like, I want this or I want that or I want to be there, I just take a step back and I think, Actually, Simone, five years ago, I would have dreamt of just having this baby and being in this moment right now and, you know, not having to, like, not having the stress of worrying about the mortgage coming out and things like that. And it's just a place of, I think, if you put it in perspective, it does make, it makes you really happy. Each day is like, I don't know, I, do, I just don't stress about mm. little shit that mm. often, very, very rarely, you know. It's hard though, it's not always um, as easy said as what it has done, but it, oh, totally. to, if you can be like happy and, and enjoy the moment, um, life's a lot better. Like happiness has got to be a, a place where you're at now rather than a place in the future. Yeah, I feel like if you're constantly striving towards something more, there's always something that you, you feel is missing, whereas actually mm. you've got, if you look around, sorry, that was my... Tummy making a weird thing. You've got, you know, basically everything you want. Right? Did, anyway. did you get that? Yeah, that did that the mic stick really there? <laughs> oh, God. We can, we can raise the sound on that. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be a real gurgler. <laughs> real gurgler. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I feel grateful for it. We'll, we'll get you a sponsorship deal with quickies or oh, something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need that after gastric please, surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how's, how's your mental health been over the years? It's like, um, it, like from the outset, it, seem, it seems, seems good. Like, there must have been down... I don't know, like, just going back to the thing you said really early on on the podcast, like about your mum, you know, finding your mum after she um, tried to take her own life when you were, when you were 13. So there's, there's obviously mental health issues in the family. Mm. Have, have you sort of dodged a bullet for the most part? Or I is this something you've had to work on really hard? Never struggled, and this is a, something that I'm forever grateful for because I can only imagine how much harder life is if you do struggle with any sort of mental health, you know, illness. Um, I've never struggled with any sort of depression or anxiety or anything in that realm. I've had really low points in my life. I've had really challenging situations. I've had points where I've felt just defeated, but I've never had that, like, what people, because I don't know what it feels like, describe as that cloud come over you where you don't feel like you can find the way out. So I feel incredibly blessed in that sense that I haven't had to fight that battle. What are those moments of defeat that you're talking about? Um, just oh, huge, huge points where, you know, I mean, just before I'd gone to start this whole weight loss journey, I remember losing, I had three nannying jobs. I lost all three because the kids were school-aged children. And I tried to find new work um, and and couldn't there was nothing going and I got to the point where I had two dollars in my bank account couldn't afford my rent that week and I just you know it was just so money issues are a huge huge burden I just couldn't get out of it and I remember having to go to um 
work and income and I couldn't afford to bus down there so I had to walk down there and that was a huge thing for me at that time and oh, yeah that's when you couldn't, couldn't you really used to go the, yeah. putting the rubbish bins yeah, out yeah so that was a big thing that was you know a few k's um <laughs> and like that was just a huge you know it's like how do I keep going mm. it's like I couldn't find jobs and then for I was on working income for a few months and they send you out to job interviews and things like that. I kept being, getting declined and not being accepted. It was just super defeating, you know. That's one little moment. But, yeah, I've had, I can't really think off the top of my head, but points where I've, I felt like it, you just don't really want to, like, you don't have that spark or that joy, you know, anymore. But, mm. Yeah, it happens, eh? It happens. I and to do, I mean, you you um you don't have to go too far into your like Instagram account. Uh, you, you've got a massive following, by the way, three hundred and something thousand, and uh, there's so many like brands and companies that want to work with you. Um, and I suppose with that, it does come at a it does come at a price. And uh, whether it's based on on envy or something else, there is um a shit ton of trolling directed your way, a yeah. lot of like real negative comments. And I I don't care what anyone says, that shit does hurt. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I'd i say well, when it started like five, six years ago, when I first really started, I had some horrific days where I would read this stuff and I'd just stew and I'm such a people pleaser. I go out of my way to make sure that people like me. I try my hardest in life to be a liked person, to do good things, to be kind. And for these people to not really give a shit about any of that and still have their opinion, it really hurt. And I would just, like, dwell on it. And it was actually Trent that, he was just so good at getting me out of that funk. He was like, "Do that? have these people ever met you? No. Do these people know you? Do your friends and family think these things? No. Do, you know, does anyone that's ever met you think these things about you? No. And he's like, well, you have to be okay in knowing that who you are and knowing what your moral compass is and knowing that, you know, what life you want to live. And it was, that would definitely help me. It still wasn't easy. It took years. And I think it actually took years of just developing a really, just a skin around it and just having mechanisms and coping, you know, things that I'd say to myself and not reading it firstly is, you know, if you can help mm, it and avoid it mm. and, and not letting yourself go down that track of just like dwelling on it, you know? Mm. It's, it's hard the way I, I try and remind myself, um, you know, I think of my, like, like in a circle of say 15 or 20 people and you think, would any of those people ever go to someone's page of someone they don't know and write something like that? And the answer I always come to is no, absolutely fucking not. And the, this is, <laughs> honestly, well, you have the same chat that I look and I can look at, we've got a very large, extended, unique, varied, weird and quirky bunch of friends and family in our life and... I could look at our closest 50 and say truthfully that same thing. I have never seen anyone write on a New Zealand Herald article. I have never seen anyone comment on anyone's page or send them a message privately with something nasty. And It comes down to the fact that they're all living really fulfilled, quite happy, generally like content lives. And they've got no desire to do that. You know, I think that must take a certain type of person. Mm. And that certain type of person is clearly... They're struggling in themselves because you, there's just no need to – you just would never feel the need. You don't look at anyone that's doing cool shit, that's sitting online, yeah, writing crap, you know? Yeah, that's – Unless that's, it's that, their career. That's, that's, uh, yeah, yeah that, that, is, you know? that, that is so true and that's something that um, over the years I think I've developed more – 
Yeah, first of, first of all, when you see a, like a, a, a mean comment directed at yourself, it hurts you, and then you feel rage or whatever. But then, <laughs> then I try and step back and go, shit, that person must be having a real prick of a day. Yeah. Like, they must be dealing with some, some heavy shit to be that angry about someone they don't even know in a situation they're not even aware of, really. Yeah, and everything comes from a point of your own lens and your own perspective, right? So even if that person is they're feeling okay at their point of life right then and there and they're not battling anything right there, their experience up until that point has formed them into who they are and their view on a certain situation. So if they're then going to have a negative view around something like that, that could have been something that 10 years ago is triggering them, mm. you know, that they haven't worked through or that is still really upsetting for them. And it's, I don't know, I just can't see it now in this, for me, where I am now, having a huge effect on some of these comments. It's yeah. just, you have to brush it off. It has to be, I more try and take the, piss out of it it's know, um yeah up. easier said than done though to, to, to shake it off have you ever needed like therapy or counseling over the years no i've know. never yeah my th- thing for me i i t- i'm an oh like i really love chatting and i love talking and i'm very open in with those around me so i think probably unfortunately those closest to me just end up dealing with and hearing all my all my stuff so i you know open book with everyone I mean, and that's, that's, about that, that, I mean that's that's quite good if you've got those relationships though because that's essentially what therapy is eh? except you've got like a trained professional giving you some different perspectives so, yeah, and ways totally. of looking at it rather than just oh don't worry about it yeah <laughs> the therapist never say don't worry about it um, <laughs> what about is, I, I don't know if you want to go there but some of the nastiest comments is there any that like stick out as like wow I can't uh, believe someone would write that about another human being oh I get lots on my on my physical appearance yeah. um, do you like what I scrutinised I get told I look like a transvestite, that I look like a dude, surely that's a dude, um, people zoom in on my toes. And oh, you're wearing close toes, oh, shoes, I can't see. Do you want to see what, them? Yeah, what, yeah, what's, um... I don't know, I, I've never thought my toes are that weird. <laughs> are, they, are they quite long? Are they quite yeah. long toes? Is that what people say? I don't know, they just like, look at the separation between those two, and <laughs> oh, the third is longer than the first, no it's not, but okay. Dougie, 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 does she need to hold it up to a camera? What, ca- <laughs> camera one? Camera three? Camera four. Camera Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing to notice. Oh, it's so weird, and I've never really looked too closely at my toes until, you know, until yeah. those comments, and they say, E.T. Caught, wants your toes back or something. Um <laughs> But yeah, just oh, that's, quite, that, that's kind of funny, I guess. Oh, yeah, you know? All of it is, yeah. you know. Oh, sorry, I'll move this back. All of it's quite amusing when it comes down to that. And I don't know pinpoint parts of my body where they'll talk about like lumps and bumps on the side of my body and say I've photoshopped that part of my body. And when in reality, it's the fact that I've lost weight and I've now got a shitload of loose skin and cellulite, and that's what they're seeing in the photo. Mm. But it's you just get scrutinised for all of that sort of thing. I think the comments that hurt me the most are the ones where it's about my son, you know, about this innocent little child. Like what? What sort of things would people say about a baby? Oh, that he was he's slow to talk. Right. Um, that he's developing differently or, you know, like things like that where he's just a normal baby and developing at his own rate and, yeah, stuff like that that you just find bizarre. Why would you, pe- you know, focus on me yeah. and tear me apart. Oh, no, 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 well, don't, no, don't, just don't tear anyone apart. <laughs> well, I can <laughs> but, handle that. But if you need to pick me or the kid. You, you know, like pick me. Don't just <laughs> yeah. leave the kid out of it, you know. Yeah, that's another weird, a weird thing, and I feel like this is um, maybe a key. I don't know if this is a universal thing or a Kiwi thing, but it's like people say the solution is well, if you don't, if you don't want to subject yourself to this sort of criticism, don't put yourself out there, which yeah. seems 
I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing to say. It's like, if you don't want people to comment on you, just don't do anything with your life ever. Yeah, well, I get that a lot. It's like, well, she's, she's chosen to live her life online, uh, so she's asking for it. Or, you know, she's choosing to do this publicly, so she deserves to be one of them. Was She shares herself publicly. She gained her traction because of uh, losing weight, so her body deserves to be scrutinised. And it's just a bizarre thing for me that because you are more of that public figure, somehow all your rights and all your human just general respect goes away and that you can suddenly, you know, public can just tear you apart for every element. It's, mm. it, I don't get it, but that's how some people view it, well, right? it's, it's lucky that you've got the um, the strength of character to sort of um, deal with and process it. Uh, like someone that springs to mind is, um, do you know Charlotte Dawson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Charlotte Dawson, um, she's Australian, New Zealand, sort of influencer, I guess you'd call her, but even before the time of social media, right, your socialite influencer, whatever, and she... Um, she ended up getting a barrage of comments from people, you know, telling her that she should she should kill herself, and she ended up doing it. Yeah. So if you catch someone on a bad day and you hit them with the wrong comment, like it can be really negative. Do you do you think? So it seems like you've always been been good. Have you? Like, has, has this social media journey made you more resilient and even stronger? Do you think? Oh, more steely? Yeah. Just it, out of necessity, or it, you had to. It's either for me. It was a there were a few points where it got incredibly bad two years ago. I think when all the Herald articles and everything was just wild, and it was, it was about two months of my life where it was, it was tough. You there wasn't a day where you weren't being thrown under the bus for something that you hadn't done. What was that about? I, I missed that completely. That I... was about a scandal towards um, charity, basically donations that was proved as not true, uh, but that was even once they got the proof, it was still everywhere, right. and you're still your whole character's being torn apart and. It was during that time where and there was, you know, a few points where it was just, it was incredibly bloody tough because I'm someone that I built my reputation on on being a nice person and being mm. kind and being caring and being there for my community and having that taken away in a heartbeat was, it was friggin' challenging. And that definitely, yeah. getting through that period, it was, uh, do I keep doing this? I've got a choice, right? I can keep doing this and keep doing this career or I can give it up. And I refused to give it up and... You know, I knew I mm. wanted to keep going with this because I knew who I was and what my message was that I wanted to share. And yeah, it was it was a very very tough time. But getting through that now, it, just know that anything that comes my way, I can deal with. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, that is rough. But it's not the same for everyone, and that's why I think no. I'm so passionately, and it's why I share troll comments towards myself and my family, mm. and why I talk about these. I guess these negative comments is because of what, you, like what you've talked about, is that there are people that will receive it that won't be able to deal with it. Won't have the strength, and no. even if it's from someone they don't even know, like it might impact them more than what you'd ever think. Correct. Especially, you know, especially, I especially worry about like you know school age kids. Well, that's what I was going to say yeah. with like teenagers, and I can't fathom living my teenage years now with that social media side as well. Teenage mm. years were tough, right? It was hard to navigate and hard to get through. And imagine living that online with the possibility of, you know, yeah. trolling. And- well, it's, well, it's terrible. Like, I'm a, I'm a, a, even a generation older than you. But so when, when I went to school, um, there, there were bullies at school and no one, no one got off unscathed. Yeah. Um, but then you go home and that's your sort of sanctuary yep. and uh, you were free from the bullies <laughs> for the night until it was the next day and we carried on. now I feel like the bullying is probably even worse when you get home and oh, you know so the teachers worse. aren't around and the kids are in their bedroom on their phones or whatever yeah and they just feel that sense of I think being mm. hiding behind a phone gives people a sense of power I have mm. never once in my eight-year career had anyone come up to my face 
and say anything even remotely negative. Not once. But yet I receive it on a daily basis. Yeah, it's funny, and that, that, that says a lot. I've ne- like, That's and where I've, the phrase keyboard warrior comes yeah, from. Yeah, I'm out and about. I'm very social. I'm very public. I'm very seen. I go to, you know what I mean? I'm like, mm. people could stop me. And they often, you know, often say, so hit the supermarket, but no one's ever stopped mm. me and said, you're a, you're a bitch and I don't like what you're wearing today. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm very happily, people all say that online. I think that really shows the power because it, you take that away, you take the keyboard away. Mm. They truly, they don't have the strength to say that. Yeah, and the, the, and the, the the stuff that you were talking about before, when when things got really tough, there's um, there, there's there, I think there's two things. There's um, there's character and there's reputation, and they sound like the same thing, but they're actually completely different. Character is like who you are and who you know you are, yep. and reputation is something that's completely out of your control, yep. which is um, seems just so unfair, doesn't it? That so someone else can write something about you, and then people read it and go, "Well, okay, well, fuck, she did that because I read it." Yeah, totally. That's no, your totally. reputation. But you know your character. You know you're a good person. Yeah, I, th- I never really understood the difference of the two or mm. thought there was a difference of the two until going through it. And you're right, you can't do anything about your reputation and what people choose to perceive you as. Um, and all I can do is just continue doing what I do and live my life to as true as mm. I live my life. Yeah. And I cannot worry about the opinion of others. You know, as long as those in my, that know me, those I work with, those, you know, that actually have values and matters, I, you know, I care yeah. about their opinion. And it seems, seems like you do have a good, um, a good sort of inner circle of family and friends that will, will call you out on your bullshit. Oh, yeah. And always, I'll have Granny, <laughs> if she sees an article here, she'll give me a call. See, you're in the paper yeah. again, love. What's it about this time? You know? oh, oh, it's about the Panadol article, Granny. She's, oh, tell me more, you know? <laughs> well, what's the, what, I, I, what is the Panadol article? Is that oh, an actual thing? Or there was, um, yeah, no, it's an actual thing. Um, <laughs> it did a campaign with Panadol, uh, and their whole thing was around, basically, it wasn't promoting Panadol, it was talking about mental health and, and ways to basically improve your mental health and I thought what an amazing thing to do so it was talking about like what you can do what things that I do to help improve my mental health it was just sponsored by panel I never really saw it as like this negative thing but then people twisted it and said she's promoting Panadol to help with your mental health and so it just was a it was a big thing it was reported to the ASA and yeah it got a couple of articles on it yeah well see I which now I wouldn't accept a campaign like that but at the time I didn't see it as a something that could be twisted in a bad way. I thought, how cool! What a great, great thing that they're doing. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's a good thing, and that's I suppose the next thing I was going to get to. Like, um, it, like everyone makes mistakes. If, if you're not living a life where you make mistakes, then you're not living a full life at all. No, totally. Um, but I think as long as you, um, as long as you can acknowledge them and learn from them and grow from them, then I think mistakes are something that should be like embraced and almost celebrated in a way, rather than. Oh, we all. Well, I know I like screw up all the time. And that's okay. And I learn from those mistakes, you know, and I've never, ever claimed to be perfect. I don't want to ever be perfect. That's not who I am. You yeah. know? And I think those mistakes and along my whole life, whether it's my career or just shitty things that I've done, have, you know, really formed me into who I am today. Mm. I, f- I, f- I feel like you've had more, I don't know, maybe more scrutiny than most because, like, you're the, you're, you're the, the top of the pyramid. I suppose what I mean by that is it's like um, um, – Every every influencer, or even 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 like bullshit influencers like me, that'll get a campaign every <laughs> blue moon. Um, we have to write hashtag ad or hashtag yeah. spawn on every post, and I feel like you're the reason that everyone has to do that now. And I feel like you were the target because you were doing more campaigns and getting more work and having more followers than anyone else. Is that fair? Yes, it was really interesting when this all happened. Um, I got pulled up for a few things 
a few different campaigns where they said I hadn't been transparent with sharing whether there was an ad or not. I said, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that you, you had to. I'd always said gifted, hashtag gifted, or, or spoken, um, this was gifted. And I remember one of them was a hotel stay with um, a company I've worked with a few times. I was going to name them, but I don't, don't want to give them any more grief. They've been through enough. <laughs> Um, and I'd said, oh, I'm off to stay with, you know, here. I've Not been, the Sedema. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, don't bring them into it. Um, <laughs> I've been invited in here and, you know, I can't wait. Rah, rah, rah. And so I thought that was very clear. And then they said, oh, you, you haven't been clear. I thought, okay, that's cool. And then they said, oh, you can either edit your posts or remove them. And I thought, well, I've done nothing wrong. Like, when one of them was just wearing um, Eamon, which is a brand I've worked with before for years and years, and I hadn't even talked about them. I just had it on my top. And so I thought, well, no, I'm not promoting them. But anyway, this was used as, like, the, the case study that they then wrote guidelines around. So there weren't guidelines. I hadn't broken any guidelines. But they then used these as the, the like... The place to the create. rules now, yeah. The rules now, which that, is, that everyone has to follow. We yeah, all have to follow, which is amazing, and it's incredible that there are these rules in place and that there are guidelines because it was such a wild west of an industry for so mm. long, and that there was no actual rules, no yeah. rules, right? And so that was that was cool that that's done. But then what happened with that is that obviously the media got hold of it and it became this big. She broke this. She didn't do this. She wasn't being truthful. When in reality, there was nothing that. Nothing there to be, you know what I mean, upheld against. But even though there wasn't rules and regulations, I was still upheld. And it was just a learning curve. It was, you know, definitely from then on, you sort of think, shit, don't want to get that wrong. And, you know, you learn and grow. Yeah, absolutely. But it was just interesting that with no guidelines that they can then... Yeah, did that feel... Like a like a like a witch. I'm guessing it did feel like a witch hunt at the time, but in, in hindsight, was some of it deserved or? Oh, totally. no, at it... the time, I couldn't really understand it. Yeah, but they needed to start from a place of somewhere, right? Mm. And it made sense that they'd start with someone that's doing the biggest, the most advertisements, yeah. oh, and working with the most companies every yeah. year. So it was just for them a good case study, right? And mm. so now it's just very. I've got good communication with the ASA, and they'll send me a message, and you know, if they deem something as an advertisement that, you know, they'll say, is this a paid thing? And I'll say, no, we paid for that. And, you know, we've got good lines of communication now. Really? You've got a direct line of... That's the um, Advertising Standards Authority. Yeah. You're in direct contact with them. Oh, they message me often. Because I would get reported, I'd say, mm. every couple of days. So they just need to clear up if something is an advertisement or not or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. The other day it was for holding a, um, a mocktail but someone had reported me for drinking while pregnant and promoting, <laughs> promoting drinking while pregnant. So they just needed to clarify that I was holding a mocktail. So do, does that, um, oh, I suppose it, it can't, can't bother you, but there's obviously like a, a percentage of people that are like hate watching you, like oh, trying yeah. to catch you out, trying to trip you up. Oh, always. But I, I quite like, because what that does for me is hold me to a very high standard. I really, every single thing I post, I really have to think about what the person that dislikes me the most would think or view this and whether it could be taken in any sort of negative way in terms of like an advertisement that wasn't or me not declaring or, you know, so it does make me very... Accountable. Very accountable. Yes, <laughs> very accountable. God, that's a stressful way to lead your life. <laughs> <laughs> you stop thinking about it, though. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it, it becomes second life. nature after a while. Yeah, it is. Um, now, I, I put on Instagram that you were coming over and I asked if there's any any questions. Um, so there was Some of the comments were quite mean, but there's some... Re- <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> Oh, fuck, why are you wasting your time with her? Sorry, but she's a dick. The only words you might get out of her are hashtag gifted, hashtag ad. <laughs> is, that, is that a genuine laugh? Like you can just... 
Oh, yeah. The yeah. idea with this daily, though, like, I think it would be quite different if this was the first time hearing that, but I've dealt with it for five years, you know, and that's someone's perspective, and that's totally fine. They're entitled to that view. They may not like influencers or influencers as a whole or the whole industry, you know? Or maybe it's just me. Who knows? I don't know. It, it seems, I don't know, it seems, it seems unfair to me. It's like um, there's this thing where politicians are considered to be fair game. It's like, oh, you can say what you want about a politician. It doesn't matter. They're politicians. But it's like I've, um, I've always been like a, a right-wing sort of guy, but I'm never going like, to criticise a, you know, a left-wing politician or have a go at them. Like, yeah, but that's I just who that's, you are, right? Like, no, and how you live your life. Um, but here's a question. Um, how does Simone feel about setting unrealistic expectations for postpartum women and contributing to women's postpartum depression? Is, is, I don't really understand what that means. Is that because you make parenting look like a breeze? I think that's like what we talked about before. Okay. Um, and I think, again, everything, everyone has their own view on a situation because of what they're dealing with. And I frequently talk about our position of privilege and share that. And, you know, I try my hardest to show our journey openly and honestly but what I'll never do is tailor my version of something to try and pander to someone else's lens of a situation because Mm. that wouldn't be authentically me I love parenthood I love being a mother and that's okay but I can openly say I hate running and you couldn't you know what I mean you couldn't get me to run a marathon if you tried and that's okay like that's okay to not enjoy something and it's okay to find something incredibly tough but it's also okay to find Mm. A situation enjoyable as well, and yeah. I'm never going to feel sorry for enjoying motherhood. Oh, no, 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 should you either? And I, I feel like you're um, you, you are very honest. So you're, you're, you're pregnant again. You've got another son, a second son on the way. Yes. Maybe this one will be completely different. Maybe, no, maybe this one's going to be a little tyrant. And, uh... <laughs> we, we joke about this all the time. We're like, we've had this like breeze into parenthood. Like he is happy and content. He barely cries. He eats everything put on his plate. We're going to have a second child that's just going to go. Here's what parenthood is really like, and then you can get me back here in a year's time when I might be I lost half my head of hair and be crying, and you know, stains yeah. on your top. Like oh, a I very different it. experience. Like, yeah. and that's that's. I'll talk about that if that happens, you yeah. know. But I can't pretend like this first. And it's also it's been one. I've I've got to just have all this time in this world with this one little human. Now I'm going to have to split my time. It's going to be a very different experience, yeah. you know. Someone else on Instagram said, "How does she feel? How how does she feel when she does work for a brand, and then the brand apologises to its followers for using her, as she doesn't actually use the brand's morals and ethics? It happened in the last week with Fear and Good. I just wonder if she cares about that sort of thing, or if it's just work to her. Anyway, this will be a great chat. Go, Dom. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I think it's in that position." There's two, you've got this group of people that very much dislike you and they are working their hardest to stop relationships and to try and change relationships with brands and, to, like you're saying, to tarnish your reputation. Gotcha. So you're saying as soon as you put a post up with a brand, and they will reach out to that brand and say, did yeah. you know this? Yeah, totally. <sighs> and that is... How, how, do you know who they are? Do the brands ever send you the person's name? And, oh, often, but yeah. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it a core group of people? Yeah, yeah. There's a core group. And you know who that because they'll just slip and they'll leave their names and emails and stuff and brands will send it through. But like you know, these people are their life is dedicated to trying to stop your career, and and that is just part of what I deal with on a daily basis. So I, I guess initially it was it was a 
tough thing to navigate and it felt a very strange thing to navigate. But now I have very open communications with my brands. They they know pre that this is going to happen. It's they've already, you know, they're aware of the situation. It's not something that's hidden from them. They're not 20 people aren't going to message them afterwards and it's going to be a shock. Mm. It's a, this is this is the reality of working with me and, you know, yay or nay. And they'll, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to be doing you doing you any harm is still well, you look at your look at those little dashes on your instagram story there's a like, lot of brands yeah there are different brands that won't be great alignments and that mm. you know like don't don't necessarily work and don't fit with with your page but that's just natural and that has evolved over the years anyway you mm. know yeah here's the, the, some of these are so random i'm sorry and i i, I don't know i, I guess i i don't i don't follow you as intently as some other people so i don't know about a lot of this stuff but um why does she own her own active wear that she hardly wears and also promotes five other active wear brands? Imagine Nike pr- promoting Adidas. Five laughing, crying emojis. So my stance <laughs> on this is that there is not one active wear brand is going to suit one person for the rest of their life. Uh, every single body, every single shape, every single person is so different. And I like to show a variety of active wear brands to my audience because they're not all the same body shape. They're not all the same size. They don't all like crazy patterns. Some of them like plain. Some of them like yoga feel. I like to show a variety. It's, you know, I would never wear one brand of clothing. I never wear one brand of activewear. I'm wearing Amen tights right now, and I own a brand called Embrace. We're all creating very different things. I think there's enough room in the market for everyone to succeed and for everyone to thrive. And that's why I share different brands, because I just think there's enough space for everyone to to smash it. <laughs> I find that a good answer. That seems perfectly reasonable, but the person that sent the message is probably sitting there going, oh, yeah. Probably Very got, angry. Pro- probably got paid to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love she to... not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to... Yeah, she got that cleared with her friends at the Advertising Standards Office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear... Um, here's something on on her views about toxic positivity. She has an absolutely beautiful son. He always sleeps. He's never sick. Eats everything. The list goes on. Simone... Uh, uh, also doesn't tell people that he's been in daycare for about a year, so it really gives an illusion of being able to juggle it all. I really feel like it has such a negative impact on people who are struggling. Being real is okay. I feel like you touched upon that before. You said he goes to daycare. Uh... Yeah, I, f- I feel like this is something we've been very open with mm. that. I've He hasn't really got that sick in this first year. When he has, mm. he's had a tummy bug. I've shared it. Like I, I definitely share the, the sticky parts, and I talk about it, but I'm also... Because I'm a naturally positive person, the positivity outweighs the negative. Mm. I don't dwell on shitty things. I don't sit there. My channel's not negative. I'm not going to talk about all the crappy things that happen in a day because that's not where my focus is and that's not where I want my focus to be. For me, toxic positivity, (laughs) can't even say, um, when you don't acknowledge any negativity, I share a lot of low points in my life. I'm vulnerable with my grandparents and their health right now and what we're going through and, you know, different situations in my, and I'm open to that. And then I get slaughtered for, she's sharing that for... Clout or... Yeah, to try and... Sympathy votes. Sympathy votes, you know. So so you can't win whatever you do. But I'm a very, very naturally positive person. I always have been. Mm. And I'm, again, like I'm saying, not going to apologise for that. Some people, glass half full, glass half empty. It's just, you know, it's not me. I Mm. like to focus on the good. And I feel like because of that, it sort of attracts more positivity (laughs) in my life. And I'm not... You know, yeah, and I suppose what you do for a lot of people is escapism. Like the the amount of dashes you have on your story, if that was all some Debbie Downer, who would want to sit through that? Yeah, and there are pages there that are like there are full pages dedicated towards, and I'll share this if someone ever messaged me this towards the tough points of motherhood. Mm. There are 
pages where they write poems about, you know, the trenches of motherhood and where if that's what you need to feel less alone in your motherhood journey, that's what you can find. But for me, I like to watch pages that inspire me, that motivate me, that make me feel really happy in a day. And that's what I try and make my content is just uplifting. I want someone to watch my stories and have a laugh Mm. and have a, you know, a little giggle. And yeah, I'll share some shit stuff and I'll cry online Mm. very openly. I'm not someone to hide my emotions. But the majority of what I want people to see is just, yeah, is a little bit of like they want, have their coffee in the morning yeah, and they have a giggle. (laughs) Or their their, their, their lunch break at work. Yeah, Yeah. you know. (laughs) Yeah. There was um. There, I know exactly what you're gonna say. Oh, oh there, there was a story I read online. Um, <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> this is great. So a, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know where it was. Do you know where it was printed first? I want to. Uh, it's, it's something called I only know because I got it sent through so many times. I thought it was spam, and I didn't want to click on it because I thought they're gonna hack my Instagram account if I click on this link. But something called the Divorce Diaries right. on. I think I read it on stuff, but yeah, I wanted yeah, to credit where it was they, originally. They written. bought it up, but I think it was co- something like covered.co.nz. It was okay. so, yeah. So, so a lady found out her husband was um, being unfaithful by watching one of your Instagram stories. Yeah. So what was that? So you, were in, you were in a park somewhere. Well, I, I don't know the situation. Right. I only read what I read through her story. But I'm also, what I try and do on my Instagram stories is not show the public ever in the background, obviously. So they might be blurred in the background or like in the... But I'm never going to put a camera up to someone else's face that hasn't agreed to be in videos or yeah, stories. Sure. Different at a PR event where you're all there for a purpose. But in your day-to-day when we're out at a park, everyone's basically you cannot recognise, right? They're so far in the background. But someone did. Someone recognised their husband. <laughs> with the a back, lady from his work? The, and the reason she recognised her husband is not because she recognised her husband. It's because she recognised the dress of the co-worker because they'd had a conversation about this dress that came from Peru. So she goes, I know exactly who that is. And then she recognised her husband. And, and what were they doing in the background? Like it was a, well, a park in the middle of the day. Her. Oh, arm around. Okay. But it was a park on the other side of town that, oh. where they live. So they'd obviously driven out of their way to go. A rendezvous. Yeah. Wow, what yeah. a yarn. I know, and I didn't know if I believed That's it amazing. or not, but it, yeah, the article's there, so yeah. someone's written it. Oh, it's been great having you here today. Oh, it's been so fun. Yeah, <laughs> has it been fun? Yeah, it's so yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are, you are just relentlessly positive, and um, I feel like you, you you wouldn't have changed. I feel like even, where do you think you'd be now? Like, say say you didn't didn't make that decision to get that $20,000 and get that gastric bypass thing. Do you think you'd be dead now, really? Very unhealthy, yeah. unable to leave a house. Yep, if not huge pressing health issues, definitely. Still happy? That'd be hard to be happy, eh? If no, you're, I don't think yeah. at that point. I think I, you know, it was getting to the point where my day to day was starting, and I think why I felt such a drive to change is my day to day was suffering. You know, things as simple as getting in and out of cars and like mm. friends would go to the beach, I'd have to say no to going to the beach because I had a tiny two-minute walk to the beach or, you know, anything like that. So I was starting to say no to a lot of things, which definitely shuts off your happiness in life. Like there's no way you can be locked at home in your own bedroom doing nothing, feeling great about yeah. life and the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah in a way that anyone that's at that point, it's like um, what we all experience with level four lockdown, that becomes life for a lot of people. Mm. I suppose they just isolate from society. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You, you you would because everything becomes a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So baby two on the way. Um. Then then what is that? Is that it? No more babies. No more babies. We're done with two. Oh, yeah. Two is our little our little dream number, and yeah, we're we're quite happy in that. Yeah. 
Oh, some people will be saying, well, if she could be guaranteed to have a daughter, she probably would, so she could get some new advertisers. <laughs> I have had that so <laughs> people, honestly. They're like, so we keep trying for a girl? And no, we wanted two boys was our, our dream. Oh, she definitely wants a girl. Um, oh, there'll be a third one on the way at some point just to, you know, that'll be good promotion. <laughs> mm. you, you do seem quite good at laughing it off. Thanks. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah. Or oh, whether, I always say oh, this no, and no, I say it's either a good thing or a bad thing because I either got so immune to it that it's just like I just don't feel it anymore or it's a good thing because otherwise I wouldn't do what I do. Oh, oh, just, just so we're clear, it very much is a compliment. It's, I think it's the highest compliment. <laughs> but it's also alarming that, you know, it has to get to that point where you, you tolerate that much sort of crap or abuse <laughs> and you have to get to the point where you laugh it off because that's the only option. Yeah, well, it is the only option, right? And I either... Yeah give up what I do and call it in, which, you know, it's there'll be a point where I do just because of just life and you don't want to keep going on. But yeah. right now it, it's a choice. I'm I'm making this choice and, yeah, because of that, just sort of brush it off. Yeah. Oh, Simone Anderson, thank you very much for your time today. It's been bloody great. Oh, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. We, we've got to get you out for a run at some point. Oh, honestly, that, there's what? no way. Well, Especially I'll... not while I've got a child in me and definitely not in the early stages because I just need to wear a big, big pair of knickers. Um, Okay, you've bought yourself another year, but I I think you need to to give it another go because maybe it's not as bad as what you think. Okay, we'll take a rain check on this and um, when the baby's how old? What are we going, six months, eight months, a year? Oh, give me a year. Oh, you're buying yourself a little... She's like, you're in a driveway thinking Dom's not going to remember this. No, you won't. No, yeah, you won't. Yeah. Okay, fine. No, you don't have to love running. Oh, are you, I'll, I'll come and I'll give it a go and we'll see. But yeah, it's, at least a year. It's never going to happen. All right, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much for making it all the way through this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. That was Simone Anderson. Thanks very much to the sponsors of this episode of Runners Only, Radix Nutrition. Now, I don't want anyone to buy something that they don't need or don't really want, but I would love to encourage you guys to support the brands that support the podcast because I feel like this is the space I can be the realist because um, it's at the very end of the podcast. So if you're still listening to this, I know you're a serious listener of Runners Only. This podcast project, which has been going for just on a year now, has been bloody tough work. I've kept at it though because the feedback from this community has been overwhelming. So I know we're onto a good thing here and I know I just have to stay the course, be patient keep grinding, and everything will happen the way it's meant to, when it's meant to. But it was actually the innovative thinkers from Radix Nutrition who approached me towards the end of 2022 about getting involved in the podcast. And this innovative, out-of-the-box thinking with their marketing team, I think extends to their products as well. They are that good. RadixNutrition.com, please check them out. And again, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I've never felt so passionate about a project I've been involved with. I do think we're onto a good thing here, and I, I, I love having you along for the journey. All right, hope to see you next week on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.